Good life's a Mitch. G'day all. Welcome back to another episode of Life's a Mitch. This one's a, a pretty special one. It's a milestone episode. It's uh, episode number 100. Uh, I know they're not all numbered that way, but between the special guests I've had and the quote-unquote regular episodes, this takes the grand total to 100. So if you're still hanging in there, still listening, thank you very much. It's been an incredible journey so far. And I figured, who better to bring on than another member of my awesome family? Uh, out here in Orange, uh, my next guest is an incredibly busy and talented individual. Uh, by day, he's an optometrist and a father of four. And in his spare time, and by night, I guess you could say, he's the gentleman that you call up to go and relocate reptiles and snakes and everything. He uh, does a lot of teaching and a lot of education around the snake realm and um, is very passionate about what he does. Anyways, I hope you all sit back, relax. His name is Jake Hanson. He's amazing, and we'll have him on. And I'd like to also give shout-outs to a few more members of my family, Uncle John, Auntie Kate, and Sam and Liv, and Gabby and Grumpy. And also Rachel. And through all your little ones, congratulations on the arrival of your, of your recent uh, bundles of joy, and I hope you're all well. So to everyone out there, thank you for listening. Sit back, relax, and let's all enjoy episode 100 together. Thank you once again. I'd like to introduce uh, Jake Hanson. How are you today, sir? I'm good, Mitch. And... Uh, so, as I said in the introduction that you're yet to hear, it's actually episode 100, a bit of a milestone, and um, yeah, so it's kind of, we've been putting this off for a while, but thanks for coming in, thanks for being part of episode 100. That's alright, mate. I'm very flattered that I can be guest on episode 100. Here we go. Have a bit of, <laughs> have a bit of imposter syndrome. I think you're uh, lowering the bar a bit before you let on this thing. But, uh... <laughs> uh, I actually did a podcast on imposter syndrome. Shout out to Bianca, she'll be listening to this. But yeah, like the standard, no mate, don't don't put yourself down. So as I said, you are very, very, you're intelligent and a handsome so-and-so, and you're incredibly busy. Uh, you're, as I said, you're a father of four, you're an optometrist. And what's interesting is that you are the guy to call to go relocate snakes or to give education out. So as we'll delve into today, we'll talk a bit about how you got started, uh, a little bit about who Jake is as a person and you know how one gets into that field of work. But first, I was wondering if you want to join me, Jake, and having a bitchy with Mitchie this week. Yeah, I'm still <laughs> I'm still working on that. That's all right. So basic can we can we slice that bit in? Oh shit, yeah, we can slice anything, just like my, my golf swing. Absolute <laughs> horrific. So I bait all if you're still thinking of something, I'll go first. And this is only my second year here and um I'm still getting used to the cold. It's winter from January till December it feels like. It's ridiculous. Um so yeah, still getting used to the colder climate here. Uh, you've been here for many moons longer than I, so you're tougher than me. But yeah, I guess still getting used to it. And for those of you who don't know what it looked like, I'm short, bald, and fat. I've got no hair on my head. <laughs> and an absolute um, genetics masterclass. Um, you know, I was, wasn't born with a head of hair, so it sort of absolutely affects me. But what can you do? It's weather. you just got to rug up, stay warm, and absolutely get as many layers on as you can. Find yourself a quality sharky's beanie. Yeah, well, mine's been destroyed. I left it up in Brisbane last year, and I'm pretty sure it got run over by a few cars, which I'm going to Magic Round again in a few weeks too, which will be fun. Um, it's all right. We'll come is... back to something. Yeah, so yeah, my bitch is the weather. What about yourself? What's on your mind? Uh, well, what's what's on my mind at the moment, I'll have a bit of a bitch about, is when restaurants fuck up your order. <laughs> Let's hear it. And, well, especially when you use menu log. So, you, you, you know, we don't get takeaway a lot. And every now and then I like to splash out. And there's nothing more disheartening than when your order rocks up on your doorstep and you get inside and everyone's fucking starving because we've been hanging out waiting for, for menu log and their projected time is never accurate at all. <laughs> then you finally bust open the order and you see half of it's missing or they've fucked something up or something's something's been substituted and like it just pisses you off so much. Mm-hmm. But then there's no real recourse to do anything. It's like you 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 try to get in touch with menu log and they tell you to, they fob you off and tell you to ring the restaurant. And like, if you're ringing like some takeaway restaurant and there's some 15 year old kid, they don't give a fuck. So like, you just have to sort of eat it and deal with it, eat it literally. But um, yeah, that's, that's really pissing me off at my me off at the moment. Get your fucking orders right. Have a look at the order before you send it out. You would think, yeah, I agree. Like you would think just the basic shit. Well, I've ordered in menu log a few times and I ordered something from a cafe. This was the end of last year. And all it was was three items. One was missing. They didn't put my drink in there. <laughs> so how do you fuck that up? And then they'll charge, they'll charge an exorbitant amount of money to get it delivered to your door. But Yeah, and then do you want to be like, oh, do I want to be that person? He's like, um, excuse me, you, you forgot the uh, dipping sauce. And they're like, <laughs> you're going to make them drive all this way for some dipping sauce. So in the end, you end up just being, you know, just 
just taking it. But uh, yeah, that pisses me off. Well, that's fair, fair enough. Like you're paying for a service, you can't supply it, and you know, and you see it on the like the Orange Community page on Facebook that there's always orders missing or whatever. So yeah, you're totally not the only one there, I reckon. So pick up your game menu log. Get your shit sorted, menu log. <laughs> well, generally, after I have a bitch, I feel good. Like I feel relaxed. It's a good ice breaking tool. Cause like, and we've got a cold beer in each hand. So how good? And if you want more, mate, just help yourself. There's plenty there. Excellent. And um, so I figured kick things off. So just talk about yourself. So originally, which part of the world are you from? Like, and where did this um, love of snakes and reptiles come from? Because that's a big part of your life at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is actually. Um, so I grew up near where you grew up, actually, in Lake Macquarie. Good old Newy, yeah. And uh, where we grew up, there's a lot of bushland. And uh, and I just, my earliest memories, are all, I've just always been uh, a weird uh, reptile nerd. Uh, even as a very young child, like I cannot remember when it started. Asked my mum, when when did this start happening? And she's like, well, you're in nappies. And you were, uh, she remembers me out in the backyard trying to catch lizards and things. Um, so, yeah, just always really interested, uh, really fascinated with, with reptiles as a whole, lizards and snakes. Um, and then it just kind of escalated. And, you know, every afternoon after school, I'd be down in the bush catching things and bringing them home. And mum and dad were always really cool about it. They never had an issue with it. In fact, dad's, maybe, maybe it does come from dad because dad, um, dad's really interested in, in animals, um, reptiles and birds and mm. marsupials. And he, you know, he's kept a few reptiles when he was younger as well and, um, and things like that. So he was always pretty encouraging and it was, you know, it was always easy to get dad to come and take me to look for, take me on a drive to look for something, some particular species of reptile that I wanted to see. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we'd, you know, I'd keep them at home and it's not like it is now where it's sort of a bit more uh, mainstream and, you know, it's, it's all licensed and above board and regulated and you can go into a pet shop and purchase a, a pet reptile you know, and there's countless books on how to keep them and look after them properly. Well, back then it was, you know, it was really just a dearth of information. There was nothing available. So you're just sort of winging it and mm. learning about these animals. And, um, and then, yeah, just as I grew up, you know, you sort of, um, you know, as you get, I got went off to boarding school and you become a teenager and your interests shift and you know, it's not really feasible to keep reptiles when you're, when you're at boarding school. So it kind of got pushed a bit to the wayside, even though I was always still really interested in them. And you know, if I ever saw, saw a reptile, something would always you know, make it note to stop and check it out and look at it and, you know, tell other people about it. Um, and then sort of went to uni and then have kids and start working and, um, and sort of, yeah, reptiles just was just something that sort of got pushed away for a long time. And then probably after having having kids, when I probably had my first couple of children and taking them on bushwalks and um, and finding some reptiles. I remember one day we found a red belly black snake and I caught it and I was showing them showing them it and just sort of it's like this little thing clicked in my head and was like, oh, there it is. Like that's yeah, that's that thing that you used to really love and that spark came back and makes you happy and and you know and it's just like yeah it was like this old familiar familiarity that just came back and um and then yeah just just ran rampant from there mm. um so I, I got back into keeping reptiles again and um got my license to keep venomous snakes and then i started to think well there's there's no one really here as a licensed snake catcher that's catching problem or perceived problem snakes and and relocating them so i went and got my um you know, license to do that yeah um and sort of use that as a um a springboard to try and educate people about them yep so i've got a thousand and one questions one do you have a favorite type of snake or lizard or reptile uh that's really hard that's, that's like saying who's your favorite child um there's certain things that i'm definitely more um more interested in um and they're going to be really like obscure things that I don't expect anyone to know, uh, unless you're a reptile nerd as well. But I tend to be more more interested in venomous snakes. I don't know, it's not, and it's not just because they're venomous and potentially dangerous. It's that's nothing to do with it. It's just it's everything about them. Um, probably the snake that I have the probably probably the one I am probably the most interested in. Probably my favourite is the is the coastal taipan. Um, but then I also love you know even just little. Little garden skinks, um, you know, things that you see commonly. I think it's all very, very cool. Yeah. Well, it's um, it's an incredible sort of love to have because I don't know many people 
in all that enjoy being around reptiles as much as yourself and you know one to pick up venomous snakes i know you're doing it to help people out but that i'm no fan of it of course um so how does how does one actually get a license to become a snake handler like do you, how, what sort of loopholes do you have to jump through or whatever uh, so in New South Wales, you need to, there's a few, there's a bit of criteria. So you've got to show that you've got experience in handling venomous snakes. And if you've done a course and there's a few people that offer, um, offer venomous snake handling courses, shout out to John and Tina Moston on the central coast. Um, but you sort of, you do a course, you get a certificate that certainly bolsters your, um, your, um, claim or your, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, bolsters your your you know strengthens your argument for why you should have a, a snake catching permit, yep. um, and then there's all the sort of other stuff, all the other red tape you've got to go through. So you've got to have public liability insurance, up to date first aid, um, and once you've done all that, you submit it to um, submit it to the Office of Environment and Heritage or National Parks and Wildlife, and like everything involving them. And a lot of government government departments that moves incredibly slowly, and and sometime <laughs> down the track they'll um they'll get in touch you and say yes or no you've been been approved. Yeah, nice. So I I used to work for one of them government departments, and can agree that they do go very slowly. Mm. Shout outs to the RMS crew. Yeah, <laughs> I will say another thing is it doesn't really ask for any knowledge on venomous snakes about their ecology or their biology or or anything like that. Even the ability to be able to identify different species, there's there's none of that as the criteria. So anyone potentially you can go and get a snake catching license, which is, you know, I don't particularly agree with. So you think more could be done in the area to sort of make it a, like more harder to get your accreditation sort of say? Yeah, I think, I think there's more to it than just being able to capture a snake and, and take it somewhere and dump it out of a bag. You know, you need to know a bit about how these animals work and, and their ecology. And, and, and that way you then, you know, you're, you're setting up these relocated snakes for you know, better success. Yeah. So how long have you been doing it now? Uh, I think eight years um, yeah. with a license. Yeah, a nice. Bit, a bit longer with that one. And, you know, for the people of Orange and Surrounds, I'm sure there'll be many locals listening to this, what are some of the common species that you can find around here? I think copperheads are one, is that right? Yeah, that's right. So that's that's the most common snake that I get called for. And it's one that I think since I've been doing it, um, I've sort of been able to educate the public a bit more about it mm. because it's it's funny. Like when I was here, you'd get calls for these snakes and people would call, you know, brown snake or yellow belly black snake or even mistaken as red belly black snakes. And it's the most common snake. And it's not a snake found in a massive, it doesn't have a massive wide um, range where it, of distribution where it's found. It's only found in really high altitude, cold areas. So, um so it's kind of neat to have them here. But um, there's this snake that is in lots of backyards. You get it everywhere in Orange, um, in suburbia, and, and on the outskirts, the outskirts of town. And, and not a lot of people knew knew these knew what these snakes were. So I had sort of made a point of telling people about them and educating them about the snake's habits and telling them that the fact that, you know, yeah, they're a highly venomous snake, but they're pretty, you know, pretty placid, docile creatures. Yeah, um, and they also um, are pretty keen on eating other snakes. So they're actually, if you're going to have a venomous snake around, it's not a bad one to have. So it's kind of like the daddy long legs in the fact that it'll, it, it's, it'll do things for you. Like from what I understand about daddy long legs is that they can attack other spiders, and you know I know that they are very poisonous, but they actually they say that they're more beneficial to have around the home. Yeah, so, so I've I've personally seen seen copperheads eating eastern brown snakes. Uh, eating tiger snakes and, and even even eating each other. Yeah, right. And, um, if you look at well, the way they sort of um, determine how venomous a snake is, it's all testing that's done on in laboratories on rodents. Yeah. But um, you know, eastern brown snake and tiger snakes are, are more venomous um, in that circumstance than than a copperhead, and yet copperheads take down these these snakes and eat them, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. So I'll, what I might do is when I post this on the socials later, I'll include a few pictures of different types of snakes and that. And if you want to help yourself to another view, mate, by all means, go for yeah, it. sure. Um, and as an educator, you know, and as a handler and we'll call you the snake professional, that sounds dirtier than I meant it. But, <laughs> um, so what are a few myths that you sort of like to debunk like about snakes? So I know one that you taught me was that they are like quite like scared creatures. Like they are, they frighten easily. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, mate. There is a... <laughs> 
I wanted to go through every myth about snakes and pull out a big scroll. There's just so many of them. They're just very misunderstood uh, animals. And we've got a pretty poor, uh, you know, the general public has a pretty poor understanding of them uh, for the most part. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's, you'd hear all sorts of myths from, you know, things that I can understand why people might think that's true. And to other things, it is just patently absurd. Um, so, yeah, the fact that snakes are aggressive or territorial, that's, that's a common one that you hear. Um, but they're really not. They're pretty benign animals, and um, you know they certainly will. You know they're apt to try and defend themselves if they feel threatened. But um, yeah. there was a a quote, and I should have come prepared. But uh, it was a quote by an American herpetologist, and I, I don't even know the, the dude's name. So sorry, sorry, mate, uh, whoever you are. <laughs> uh, but the quote is: "Snakes are first cowards, secondly bluffers, and thirdly." Uh, warriors or fighters so then mm. that's that that holds very true so whenever you encounter a snake its first reaction is holy shit there's a big giant you know big animal leering over me mm. um you know this thing could easily kill me i don't want a bar of it so they'll usually try to flee or try to stay hidden or just remain still in the hope that you walk past them um and then the next sort of recourse they have is, is if they feel like they're still not you know you're still there and still in there in their space and, and feeling them threatened and they'll, um, you know, put on a threat display and that ranges across all the different species of snakes, you know, from the very, um, you know, pretty, um, you know, just a, you know, a red belly black snake will flatten its neck out and hiss at you to the Eastern Brown snake that sits up and sits up, you know, and puts a third of its front, a third of its body off the ground Looking and, like it could pounce. and opens its mouth and, and hisses and, you know, even does sort of fake, you know, little, um, lunges, uh, and it's all just it's all just bravado and it's it's a threat display it's no different than a a bearded dragon lizard you know opening up its mouth and um puffing out its its throat or a full um, neck. Um, yeah or, neck or, or anything like yeah. you try to go up to a uh, a possum you think a possum's gonna uh, just sit there and let you pat it they growl and, and scratch the shit scratch the living fuck out of you and bite you and yeah. it's like anything they're just it's a wild animal then the day is just scared of a person and wants to be you know wants to get away and be left alone yeah um so yeah the the whole aggressive thing the chasing thing like that's just yeah, alone. not it's just not not true i've interacted with thousands of snakes and i've never never once felt that i've been chased by a snake if anything i'm chasing snakes usually yeah, so and I think I think a lot of a lot of that just comes from again just people are going into uh, interaction with a snake with a preconceived idea that it's going to chase them and if it happens to move towards them or its escape routes past that person or through you know the, the person thinks the snake's coming towards them when actually when actually they're not. Yeah, well, a few things I've learned that you've taught me over the years is that one, snakes are pretty general like generally scared creatures, so the best thing you can do just let them go by. Give them the space, and if you can walk back, let them alone. Two, um, you know, if you do, we uh, we come across one up across one at work the other day, and um, I work in the mine, as people know, and I'm just out the back, and all we did was just stay there, let it slither on past, continue continue on with its day. I'm pretty sure it was a red belly, but I couldn't be certain. And another common myth that you taught me as well is that they hear through the ground. Well, it's not a myth, sorry, a fact that you taught me is that they can sense vibrations through the ground. So, but yeah, the best thing you can do, just leave them alone, let them go about their day. And yeah, please correct me if I'm wrong, but is that the best thing you can do if you come across a snake, isn't it? Just... Yeah, that's right. I, I think, and I think that's true in a lot of situations. I mean, just be, the other thing is a snake has a home range that it stays within and lives its whole life in that home range. And so if you see a snake on your property, an adult snake, it hasn't just materialized out of nowhere. Or it's not just blindly wandering and comes through your property like the snakes lived around there its whole life yeah. and you've just happened to see it that one occasion uh, when it's it's been there for probably many many years and you've been none the wiser if you go inside and have a cuppa or something and come back chances are you're never going to see that snake again for the entirety of the rest of its life um, you know it's, and, and you can't just make blanket statements like obviously if there's a snake that's uh, taken up residence really close to your house and you've got young kids or you've got you know, dogs that don't learn to leave snakes alone, then obviously the, um, you know, the, there's a shift in, in, in how you probably should deal with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, as a generalization, snakes don't tend to stay in the one spot for too long. They live in a home range and they move around within that home range. Fair enough. So um, 
for example, okay, so just give us like a, an idea. So say if you come across uh, someone who wants to relocate a snake, um, whether it's in their yard or in their house or whatever, what's, what are some things that you should be looking for? Like, well, Say, for example, this is a, a little three-bedroom place and I find one in my back room. Before I give you a call, what can I do? Like, what should I do? Just close the door and leave it there or what? what's an advice? If it's inside your house, yep. then you should... Yeah, you should try to isolate it to the room where it's that it's within. So shut the door and um, jam a jam a towel under the door. That snake's just frightened and it's just happened to wander in your house, either looking for food or, or, or it's not. There's nothing malicious and it just wants to get out of your house. Yeah. Um, and often, a lot of the times, I get calls for snakes inside houses, and I turn up and the snake's gone. Like they're not they're not stupid. They can navigate around pretty well and they know the route that they took to come into the house and. And often they're they're not there; they're gone. They're, they're gone straight back out the way they came in. Yep. But yeah, I mean, if it's if it's in a house, yeah, try to isolate it because that makes the job a bit easier. Um, we know exactly where it is. Um, and then yeah, call someone um, who's probably you know experienced in in dealing with with capturing snakes. Yeah, no, it's fair call. Have you got any like? Because this is a storytelling podcast. Have you got any like? Like funny stories, or have you had any close calls on a call out, or what's a, a memorable few that come out that come to mind? Mate, there's a lot of stories. Um, so I've caught snakes in all sorts of situations and locations: snakes in toilets, snakes inside cars, um, snakes in shops. You know, pretty much any setting you can imagine. I've probably caught a snake there. Snakes on a plane? Um, not on a plane. <laughs> At the airport, but not actually, uh, not not on the plane. Samuel L. Jackson, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get these snakes off this motherfucking plane. Um, and sorry if that sounded distant. I've just we've just been getting up another round of beverages. So, <laughs> um, and then yeah, some I mean some funny things. So, um, yeah, there's countless. So too many to to recall offhand. But um, once you know, I, and it's probably not that funny because we're dealing. <laughs> Probably dealing with people uh, on you know on substances or or with mental illness, but had people you know you turn up and they're like there's a snake inside, and you turn up and they're like pointing adamantly pointing at, at something in their room like yeah there it is it's just there and it's like they're pointing at nothing and I'm just like oh that's the story you told me when we had breakfast a couple of months ago yeah yeah the yeah I went obviously I won't say who it is but got there the phantom snake and just disappeared so yeah I've had people I know for sure have definitely been high off their brain and, and they're sitting in a room and they're like, there's a snake, it's there in the corner and you're sort of like, oh, there's no snake there, champ. But, uh, you know, another one that was maybe a little bit sad was there was there was a woman and, and she called me to her house and she's like, there's a snake in the in the chair in my lounge room. And when I turned up, it was like really, I don't know, there's something about this setting that was just really unnerving. It was like this really clean house with like plastic on the furniture. She had a little dog there that was wearing clothes and she was like this sweet little old lady and like, and then she's like, there it is. It's coming out of the chair. And she's like pointing at this chair and there's there's nothing there. And I was like, oh, I was like, what, what do I do? Like, do I say there's nothing there and make her feel like challenge her? And but then she might take it the wrong way and attack me or something. And and or do I play along with it or something? And I'm like, I can't say anything. I'm sorry. And then like, what did you do? Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I'm ashamed to say, but I was like, oh, I've got, uh, I've got something in my car. I can possibly lure this snake out. And then I just got in my car and just drove, <laughs> just <laughs> headed for the hills. It was really, it was a, re- it was really weird. Like it was just. <laughs> so this isn't a reflection of his professional life. He's not always a cat asking. <laughs> no, I can just see like on the news the next day. It's like uh, snake catcher goes missing, and like, meanwhile I'm cut up in pieces in this old lady's freezer or something. It was just really. Something about it was creepy. It was really creepy. Well, that's yeah. If you have to get out, you got to get out. You know, you know. <laughs> as I'm sure you'll have, you'll probably come across many more difficult yet unusual uh, instances. Yeah, I'm sure. like I've had people. I've had people abuse me. People try to you know threaten me. Um, You've had a few people try to rip you off too. I think you said last time. Yeah, it happens quite a bit. Um, that sucks. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't survive on my what I earn from snake catching. It just covers the basically covers the cost of the insurance and 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 not much else but yeah. um petrol and things but yeah i don't mean i'm not relying on it for a living like some people do but yeah i mean sometimes you get people that that um you know say that they'll they'll pay you and 
you, know, you send them an invoice and you just you just get crickets um yeah nothing but I don't, I don't don't really pursue it I've, I've had some that are like i've driven i've driven hours out of the way just to help some person that um you know it seemed to be in a situation that they nearly could, had no one else to help them and i don't i don't really ask for much like i said i'm not not making a living on it or anything it just basically covers the bills yeah. cost you know the cost involved to do this and they've stiffed me like same thing like said oh yeah yeah you know just send the invoice here and and then you never hear anything back i mean i'd you know if i was a, a spiteful person i'd probably go and let a whole lot of snakes go on their property but um so yeah no, that, that's no, what i think yeah i'm like, yeah, I'm like what are you thinking like i can just go and release every snake i catch in a you know you know 50 kilometer radius at your house at your yeah. property you know, um, remind me not to piss you off then. but I, I mean i'd never do that but I mean, <laughs> good. thankfully that hasn't happened it happened a lot most people are very appreciative yeah. um you know, people tend to, um, you know, give you the, you know, assign you these attributes that, you know, you're so brave and, you know, it's, but it's not, it's not bravery. It's, it's just knowing, knowing snakes, knowing how to capture one. Yeah. It's passion. Yeah. So what, um, so we're in orange mm-hmm. at the moment. What kind of area would you cover? What, what's the furthest you would go? Like this guy, Mudgy, how far? Depends. No, no. Not that far? <laughs> not that far. I mean, I've, I've got a family as well. I can't, can't spend you know, too much time away from them. Um, but you know, I'll travel sort of within a, a half an hour radius of, yeah. of Orange, and then just very occasionally I've gone further just because it's just been a, a situation that sort of required it. So you know, a snake in a house that's a bit further away, or a snake caught in netting that's you know, destined to die of a slow, painful, agonising death unless someone does something. So I've yeah. driven out there, and in that case, I haven't charged anything. Um, so yeah, but I, I mean, I try to keep it pretty pretty close to town. Um, and just with work as well. Um, so I'm fortunate with my job that sometimes, you know, I get little breaks during the day. So sometimes I can just duck out for 10 minutes to catch a snake if it's, if it's in town. But, yeah. uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to travel a big distance. Yeah. And if you, you might uh, recognize Jake's voice. Um, and for those around the community, um, you might be aware that Hans's optometry has been part of the, the furniture for, what is it, 130 years? 1886. 1886. So, so that's, that's in like one. That's very impressive for it to still be going in too. Um, yeah, so yeah, just talk briefly about that if you want. So optometry, what was it that made you go, you know what, this is going to be for me as well? Like what made you choose to get on the same path as some of the pe- people in your family, previous generations? Yes, yeah, so obviously, as you said, it's a family business. So I have, you know, my grandfather was an optometrist and, and his dad was jeweler slash optometrist. It wasn't really a fully fledged profession then. And then, yeah, so my uncle went into the business and took it over. So growing up and being a young kid and coming back, um, you know, coming to Orange and holidays and just being around the practice and seeing it, I always just thought it looked seemed like a really fun place to work. Everyone always seemed, uncles always seemed to really enjoy it. It's a, it's a job that appeals to me because it's science-based, you know, with a bit of medical involved, dealing with people, helping people. Um, yeah, so there's, there's a lot that I like about it. I love my job, my, my regular job. Um, so yeah. I mean that's that, that's cool and it's awesome as well to have that outlet on the side, you know, with, with my reptiles and my yeah. snake catching as well. So it's paved the way for you to allow you to do what you want. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, cool. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, like, when I was younger, like being that reptile obsessed nerd, reptile nerd child, that was something that I did think about. Maybe I wanted to do when I grew up. Yeah. And then sort of you know things change and you know jobs in jobs in um, in wildlife, um, you know pretty poor paying really they are, and, they are. you know you need to make yeah. a decision do you want to you know, do you want to do something that you're really passionate about and then make and there's a chance maybe your, your passion gets quashed with the realities of that, that job um or do you want to keep it as a passion and and find something that you know you financially is better uh, yeah. but still enables you the freedom to do to do the other thing that you, you really like and that's kind of what i the route i went down and you know, i'm happy that i have, have yeah. done that we all have to have our fandoms like it for me obviously this is mine and my day job like allows me to do this as well. Because if I could go on a radio full time, hell yeah, that'd be great. But it you know announces like uh, like your Neil Gill around here or um you know those on one hundred five vine or whatever. He actually stated that it's not a, it's not a really you know, like sixty to sixty five grand. It'd be tough to support family on that plus pay house off and stuff. And you know like I yeah so that sort of quashed my idea about doing that. But I still do one day every fortnight at one hundred seven five. Always volunteering some time there and enjoy it and. Yeah, my day job pays for stuff like this. So I think it's important to have your fandoms. And in your case, you love your reptiles. And, and you said before that you it, what reignited it was 
interaction with your kids. So is there a chance that as the years go on, we might see a second generation snake handling Hanson? <laughs> oh, that's funny. I mean, I, I, I've always been really conscious. I don't want to be one of those parents that pushes things on your kids that you like, like, oh, check it look at it like this band and, you know, dress your kid in a Nirvana t-shirt or something and, and or, you know, try to, you know, this is cool, you know, like this, I like this, so you should you should do this too. Just giving them the freedom to do what they want. And they're just, I mean, they, they, yeah, they're interested in it. They think it, they, they like reptiles, but they're not, they're not obsessed. They don't, you know, it's just, they're just kind of indifferent to it. It's like, oh yeah, that's a snake. That's, just, you know, just... that's dad and his snakes. Yeah. So what's funny is my, one of my sons, he's, he likes, you can tell he has that wildlife uh, interest and he's got he's got the wildlife gene from in our family but he's 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 more into bugs he loves invertebrates and insects and he's got a youtube channel i think you uh, said. yeah <laughs> yeah and um and that's something i have not very little knowledge of and so it's cool to see him to kind of um you know go up you know have that passion and and he reads books like i used to about reptiles except he's reading about bugs and learning all about them and you know you'll be somewhere you'll see some some in some you know some bug or something that I wouldn't give a second glance to, and he starts rattling off all these facts about it. So that's that's cool. Yeah, it's important for your kids to. Um... I'll, I'll include a link for the YouTube channel as well because I've watched a few <laughs> of them. It, it, I was actually impressed. It was impressive to watch like the, the large knowledge base. So yeah, I'll, I'll include a link to that too if anyone wants to check that out. It's pretty cute. <laughs> it was. Um, you said also that you're trying to you're in the education space as well. So have you? What are some of the ways that you like to communicate? Do you do classes? Have you done like uh, videos on your Facebook page, or what are some of the ways you try to get the the word out, so to speak? Um, yeah. So you, if you want to educate regarding snakes and snake awareness, to do it publicly, you've you know to to do uh, visits to schools and things. It's you know, it's like anything. It requires insurance and and a whole lot of red tape and special different permit to do that so it's not something i i can do um you know my my um other half has often said oh you, you do reptile shows and i'm like no it's just you know you've got to virtually to cover the costs involved in all the uh, all the legal stuff and the permits and stuff you've got to do it a lot it's not something you can just do here and there when you feel like it or yeah um so it, that's not realistic that's not something that, that i really want to do and a take um, up, you'd have to do it full time. Yeah, so thing. so I've got the Facebook page that I'm not as active with it now, but I used to um, post a lot of stuff. But I find now I'm just just rehashing the old stuff I've already posted about. Um, and but I'm the 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 best thing I think about. So sort of going back to snake catching, there's heaps of like I said, it's really easy to get a snake catching license now. You don't really need to have any great even an affinity for snakes. I'm sure there's probably people doing it that don't even like snakes necessarily. You don't have a great knowledge about them. Um, so there's heaps of people doing it and there's cowboys and there's, um, you know, there's people that don't really put much thought into how, you know, what, what they're doing, how that affects the, the reptile. Um, so I, that's something I put a lot of thought into um, and I don't do it. And, and the other thing is also, you know, at the op- opposite end of the spectrum, you've got people who are reptile obsessed and love snakes and they have this very rosy, idealistic view of snake catching what they're doing and how it's so great but we know that it's not when you take a snake and you move it away from its home it's not good for the snake it's great for the person but you know good for the peace of mind of the people but mm. it's not really the best thing for the in the interest of the animals and i think a lot of snake catchers are oblivious to that um but i kind of so the way i kind of reconcile that that i'm probably not doing the best thing by the snake is that I just use each time I go to someone's house as that's an opportunity to try and teach them about about snakes so that maybe the next time they see a snake they might act a bit differently or they may not necessarily feel the need to even call me because like oh yeah that's you know that's that copperhead or that's the eastern brown that, that mm. Jake was telling me about and this is what it's here to do and it's just here taking care of the rodents in my chook pen and it's not here to eat the eggs or do anything to my chickens and you know when it's finished it'll leave and it's it's lived its whole life here and it will continue to do so and I'll probably never even run into it again sort of thing. So I just use each each call out I go on is I try to use that as an opportunity. And some people are really receptive. Like some people, they're interested um, and they'll recall, you know, sometimes I come back years later and they will have, they'll will be recalling something that I told them and go, oh, you remember when you told me this? Or, you know, uh, and some people aren't. Some people just don't care. They just get the snake out of here. I don't give a shit. But um, but I, that, that's that's what I try to do is just each each time I go to someone's house, just try to if I can leave there, parting a little bit of knowledge about snakes, you know, something they didn't necessarily know, yeah, or you know, dispelling some bullshit myth, then you know, I consider that a good you know, 
We've, we've debunked a few here today, and I remember uh, I come up and visited one Christmas. We went out to Karkor, where your parents were living before they moved back here, and um, I went for a walk with you, and you sort of pick on up. You're like, yeah, so this, 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 and this, and what? My first thought was, this guy's a fucking crazy, crazy lad. But I remember, like, every time I come out here, I learn something, or I speak to yourself or your, your dad or whatever, because your dad's a very knowledgeable man about a lot of things. And um, I just remember going, okay, this is, um, I looked at things differently. And it was a few weeks later, I was still in my road working job, and I was um, putting up a temporary fence, and I had a little, um, it must have been a baby red belly, wrapped itself around my hand as I picked up one of the concrete bricks. And one bloke's first reaction was, oh, I'm going to go get a shovel. So no, just leave it alone. We're probably just scared, scared the living bejesus out of it. So I just flipped it off my hand and he scurried into the bush. Like, you know, we're mm. in his home. Just leave him alone. Mm. And two, you do that, you lose your job. So don't. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. People's reaction to snakes just, it's just boggles the mind sometimes. It's like, you'd swear it was like a nuclear weapon or something that was about to detonate. It's like, there's a snake. We've got, you know, we're going to kill it. It's like, that's, it's, that mindset's so strange to me. And, and also just the disregard for that animal's life. Like I'm not, I'm not a tree hugger. I'm not, I'm not a big hippie. I like the environment and, and so forth. But like you see people that I know are not at heart. They're not cruel people. They probably like animals often. They, you know, they, they do like animals. But some reason with a snake, it's they strip away. It's I don't know. I'm just it's they just it, to them it's not a it doesn't register as it's an animal, yeah. or even an animal that's capable of thought, or um, you know you know because they're not. I mean they're not the brightest animals, but they're also not dumb. That's because um, the I think they, it's because they quote unquote because of the venom. That's that right, have. and they they feel pain and other things and just the, the horrific things that you see people do who I know would not be. A cruel person, you know, like a, a housewife, a house mum, pouring a jug of boiling water on a little snake, you know, and then the snake goes into a hole, and I'm called to mop up the, you know, the, the mess at the end, and you got this scalded snake. Oh, and, someone done that? Wow. Oh yeah, definitely. It's not if you yeah. <laughs> if you like snakes, then don't be a snake relocator because you just see the absolute worst of the worst. The, the amount of shit that I've seen. Yeah. Um, Animals shouldn't need to suffer. So in, in a way, it's kind of you know maybe I've become a bit desensitized to it um because you just see some of the, the worst in people and it's it's like they look at they look at a snake like they look at a bug or a spider or a cockroach that you just whack and kill with it without a second thought um but you know they're kind of a higher order animal they you know the, the, like i said they're capable of thought and um and feeling and they feel pain and that sort of thing yet you know they get a they get a rough run so um you know often get, like i said people try to try to kill a snake and they can't do the job properly and I've got to turn up and there's a, a mangled, angry snake that I've got to deal with. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, these snakes. It makes you go like, would this snake be pissed off Yeah. if this person didn't interfere with them? Like, That's right. I work with a lot of farmers, um, yeah. sporting shooters, um, contract killers for like excess goats or whatever. And the one common theme that they'll have is that even though they kill stuff like feral animals for a living, quote-unquote, they don't make them suffer. No one no, no, has to suffer. No. Like, That's right. So my friend Berkey, shout-outs to you, mate, he, um, he's got a farm. And, you know, when he takes his cows to get slaughtered or whatever, he's like, I don't want to see them suffer. Like, I just want to get it done. And my friend Ez, she's a contract shooter for some of the properties around here. Same thing, one, one slug between the eyes, get it done. No animal... See, I'm not a, as passionate about reptiles, but by no means do I think they should suffer. If you're out there and you are coming across a difficult situation, even just call Jake or call someone that can help and just ask the advice because killing it, I know for a fact that in an ecosystem, whether it be here or I was walking through, uh, I was going on a tour through Tasmania, through the national parks there. And we had a, excuse me, a really knowledgeable um, tour guide. And he said, each animal, us, we all part of the same ecosystem you take down like an animal that's like it could be the predator or the highest thing of the food chain you kill it because you want to because it's fun you then potentially interrupt the life cycle of other animals around there you know without the without the top of the food chain killing the next animal down and that can do all sorts of weird and wonderful things so just best thing to do if it is a snake or something else that's not in a precarious position leave it alone just leave it the fuck alone because i'm sick and tired of hearing about people just because they're bored, want to want to suffer, want to make something suffer because of their own ridiculous fucking 
ideas are fun. So just do the right thing and don't be a fuckwit. Hey, I'm sorry, it pisses me off. <laughs> um, and there's, there's, I mean, you see different attitudes. So there's the people that, that kill a snake because they literally in their mind, it's like either that snake gets killed or one of my children are going to get bitten. And if anyone with a brain, you know, anyone would, if, if that was truly what you, how you thought it was going to play out, yeah. then, then you kind of, you know, you can't blame anyone for, for thinking that. And, and those people I don't, you know, I don't hold any um, animosity towards or, or I don't, don't regret them doing that because they think that they're doing the right thing. They are misguided and they're, they're um, in actual fact, what they're doing is not really going to be saving anyone from being bitten by a snake, but they have sort of their family's interest at heart and, you know, always you know always the life of a person comes before the life of a of a of a snake but um and then you also see like the the fucking dickhead bravado wanker you know yeah fucking snake you know you see like pictures on facebook of people holding up dead snakes they've killed and they're almost sort of reveling in it and oh, it's, yeah, it's fucked up it's like you wouldn't do that with a dog or a cat you'd be you know you'd have a knock on the door you'd have the the police come and arrest you if you, if you were going around killing cats with a shovel and then holding up pictures of them on facebook yeah. Um, so there is like a there are some people who just do it because they just seem to be they're just fucked up. They're, you know, it's it's you know what well, they're not. It's illegal. They're strange. To take pleasure in it species. or to to think that it somehow it makes your dick grow longer because you killed a snake. Is yeah. you know it's it's there. It's an animal with no arms and legs that slithers on the ground. It's not it's not tough to kill a snake. Um, yeah. So there's nothing cool. That's that's the one that they're the ones that hurt me the most. Um, back to the bitchy with Mitchie. I love it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I would, ne- would never hold a grudge against someone who thought that they were, what they were doing was keeping their family safe. Because yeah. well, I would do the same if that's that's if that's what I thought. But well, when we when we enter that flight or flight response, like you go back to that, or well, a lot of m- uh, mental practitioners refer to it as the old brain survival instinct kicks in. And when you like that, it's hard to sort of challenge your thoughts and go, "Oh, hang on a second. So yeah, just if you can, if you are in that scenario, just do the best you can. And like you said, everything's that everything here. Everything that's evolved is animal and plant are here for a reason. Mm. Everything serves a purpose, and that that purpose can be obscured sometimes, and sometimes it might be hard to see why you know why we have mosquitoes or flies. Or, but everything's like you said. If you take something, it's like a big Jenga tower. If you pull pieces out, take things away, yeah. it has massive repercussions and flow on effects. And you know, even even just with you know the the rodent problem and and the recent mouse plagues, like snakes put a massive dent in in rodent populations. Like a brown snake can mow down, you know, numerous mice in one one feeding, and they go down a, a they go down a rat, rat or a mouse hole, and they'll you know take out a whole family of mice, and, and you know the way mice breed, they they probably and I have seen a, a thing where someone's done the maths in what you know what what brown snakes, you know, what what's their benefit to the economy, and you know it's probably it probably is in the millions, like you know the the damage that rodents do to agriculture. Mm. Um, you know, they're out there doing they are doing a service, um, so that there is there is a point to their existence. They they are here for a reason, and not to mention as well as if you kill a native species, it's illegal. It is illegal, but I don't I don't tend to hold that up as a as a, as a deterrent to people because most people will do it regardless. And to be honest. You know, I, I know very few cases where people have actually been prosecuted for, for killing snakes. And I've I've sent, I've even sent, you know, I'm not a snitch, but in some cases I have been. And um, I've seen on Facebook, like, pe- people who have killed a, a harmless carpet python and photographed it. They're not even poisonous. They're not, they're, they're not dangerous to anyone unless you're... What's a carpet python? Nothing at all. And um, and I've said, like, this is this is bullshit. I'm going to do something about this. And I've sent, you know, sent a screenshot of it, sent the thing to national parks, filed a filed a complaint you know this is you know this shouldn't be happening this person's killed a completely harmless creature um and you you know you can't you can't really excuse that that's you know there's no argument out of that it's not presenting a danger to anyone and they don't do anything so there's no real you know the the whole it's illegal thing is not a massive deterrent because the government doesn't really follow through with it and they're not really interested in taking up fights in court against people who can argue easily that oh well, i thought you know i was in fear for my life i thought this snake was a danger to me so Land I, I killed it, so. Card, eh? yeah so yeah. yeah that sucks but yeah like, i don't know and i don't get me wrong i'm not a i by no means love snakes but i don't hate them i just let them be just leave them be like just like you know if you walk going for a hike know that you're in there territory it's their home be respectful of that i'm not i don't see myself as a hippie whatever just just be a decent human fuck it dude it's not hard yeah yeah that's right just like being a decent human this fuck with outside's mowing his lawn <laughs> hey we're trying to create art in here you dickhead <laughs> oh well. 
Oh, good. So, so you're an optometrist. You're a father of four. You're a snake man. Um, how do you find the time? What a what an insanely busy schedule you must have. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's hard to get to get time sometimes for for certain things, but you can you can always make time for things that you you care about or important to you. I think. Yeah. You, know, you go with a few hours of sleep if you're doing something that um, you know, something that is important to yeah. you. Um. So yeah, I tend to. Um, probably, I probably am a bit sleep deprived. Um, <laughs> you know, and also as you know, in my working life, as I've sort of moved up and um, you know, now I'm, I'm partnering some of the optometry practices. When you become a big boss, you you don't have to work as much, so you know you can have you know have you know, only work four days a week. Yeah. So if they, if, if if people are interested in learning a bit or they need um, a snake removed or whatever, where can they find you? Um, you're on Facebook, you said. Yeah, so you can just go on Facebook, Orange Snake Service. Yep, uh, is what it's called. So if you go on there, you'll you'll see the number. And you've got you've got like um, videos on some educational things and some of the snakes you've captured and, and relocated. Um, got some in, in educational content as well. It's worth checking out. Honestly, uh, six thousand people can't be wrong. That's quite a quite a number of uh, supporters and fans that you've got there. And also, if you need your eyes done, uh, Hanson Optometry. Um, this isn't. This is a cheeky little shout out from my own. I'm doing this from my own perspective because I've actually been there. You looked after my eyes about six months ago, and you're, you're in Orange and Parks. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And Jake's out there once a week on a Friday, and he's very good at what he does. And the whole Hanson family are, are absolute legends. I'm not just saying that because I'm related to him, but you know, 130 years of history is nothing to turn your nose up at. And um, yeah. So what does the next 12 months have in store for for you? Like, do you find now that as we're going into winter, uh, there's less call-outs or what, what happens? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So where we are, you know, it's seemingly cold in winter. So all the snakes oh, yeah. go, go to ground. They'll all be um, pretty shortly, you know, soon they'll um, they'll be dormant over winter. So I don't tend to get very many calls. Maybe the odd one, if someone disturbs a snake or digs one up or something. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, this is my downtime. So I so this is where I tend to so what enjoy... Um, Doing things, you know, things I don't normally get time to do. So, so if you were to sort of say what is the most common type of call that you do, is it in someone's house or is it more like on rural properties? No, or? it's 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 suburbia here in Orange, mm. on the edge of town, where you get newly built houses that sort of butt up against, like up um, in North, like say North Orange, North Orange, yeah, yeah. North Orange, Clifton Grove, they're the they're big areas. Yeah, uh, anywhere you've got new development, it's on the edge of town. Um, you know. Because we're incurring on the snake habitat, and then mm. <laughs> you're building your house in, you know, snakes, the, the home range of some snakes. So that they're, that they're the ones I get mostly, and they're in backyards. I probably could probably count on one hand the number of calls I get inside homes each year. One yeah. or two, you know, it's probably no, it'd be no more than ten. It's mostly in people's gardens in suburbia. Yeah, cool. I'll, I'll um, well, I'm a, I'm a. This is the older part of North Orange, but I guess I say I live in North Orange now too, don't I? Sort yeah, of. I've definitely caught snakes in this street. Yeah. Oh, you have, have you? Yeah. I'll have to be on the lookout then. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'll tag your Facebook page. I'll um, I'll include the YouTube channel as well, and you know, just all around know that there's there are people out here that you can call for help if you need it. Um, so. Thanks for being part of episode 100, mate. It's it's been crazy. Uh, this last, I'd say, close to two years, I've interviewed some amazing people, and you're no exception. So don't don't think that you're bringing the standard down. <laughs> oh, it's interesting. Like it's a cool story. Like you don't. Yeah, I was talking to a friend about this the other day. He's got a podcast, and he's he's um he's very his is very niche because he does um just like like a 41, but he focuses on the Raiders. So shout outs to you, Mike Stevenson. He was on so episode that's a tough gig. Yeah, he was. He was on episode 27, so if anyone wants to have a listen, by all means, have a go back on that one. But yeah, he's like, yours is so such a diverse thing because you talk to people with stories that are all over the place, like snake catchers to those dealing with yeah. OnlyFans. There's only, there's only so many times you can have Gary Belcher on as a guest. Yeah, Gary Belcher. That's it. I'd like to talk to him one day, actually. That'd be nice. But uh, yeah, man, thanks for coming on. Like, It's been a crazy ride, and we finally got around to it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, is there anything you'd like to close out on or any shout-outs you'd like to do? No, not really. I'd just like to say uh, thanks to my um, – probably thanks to my family, yeah. particularly my, um, my other half, Rach. She's um, very tolerant of <laughs> my, my uh, snake escapades. Um, and is, is Rach a fan? Does she ever go on call-outs as well? Or? 
She has been, been but yeah. she's again, she's like the kids. She's just indifferent to it. She just, she doesn't. I'm, I'm fortunate that she's not petrified of them, so she doesn't mind them being I've kept snakes in the house and things. And well, you, you also um, like have a few in uh, what do you call them? Solarium, terrarium, terrarium. or vivarium, or yeah, that's right. cage enclosure. Solarium is where you got to get a tent. <laughs> yeah, <isn't> that's it? <laughs> right. But yeah, so you. But no, that's good. So she's you. she's incredibly tolerant. She, she's kind of indifferent to them. She does. I think she at heart. I think she likes them. Yeah. But she's just kind of like, oh yeah, it's a snake. Yeah. Whatever. Just, it's just part of the. the That's the right. So yeah, I'm, cool. yeah, I'm lucky in that in that respect. So yeah, shout to Rach. I love yeah. love her uh, dearly. Yeah. And um, actually, in the intro, I've uh, I've given shout outs to, to all the Hansons, and um, and I've, I've included like Rach as well because you know she's the family, and I think it's important to pay homage and. As I said before, congratulations to all the recent bundles of joy. Um, the Hansons have had a few uh, few uh, new arrivals in the last six to twelve months, so exciting times ahead. And yeah, it's it's it was one of the reasons I was able to come out. It was knowing I've got a support network if I need it. You know, like I've I've uh, gone to your parents' place a few times. You know, to sort of hang out there. And it was interesting last time I was with Uncle John. And Aunt Kate, John showed me the website of the history of the the Hansons that he's put together, oh, yeah. and, and um about like the history of the optometry, and, and he was very proud of his of his project. And now nah, you can every as I said, every time I'm I talk to one of his, I'm always educated more. Uh, so, um, and if anyone wants to see great, amazing photos, Uncle John's got a great eye, especially for Wren's Day. There's always a, a good picture of a of a a wren of some sort. Um, he's fortunate to have lots of good bird species out here as well. So, yeah, thank you all for listening. And um, as always, if you have a cool story, hit me up on the socials and I'll catch us on the next one. Bye for now. Bye. So just as we were um, just about to wrap things up, Jake's checked his voicemail. Yeah. And he's actually had a call out happening right now. So we're going to go along and have a look at a snake. Yeah, so this could be interesting. Um, people of Orange have heard, them, heard the word. So well, uh, I'll record some more as we go. How good? So we're actually, at the moment, after we just finished recording episode 100, uh, Jake's had a, a call out to a snake, uh, as fate would have it. I'm sitting here in the seat, going out to see how he does things. So I'm heading out towards Orange Hospital. Um, so yeah, what, what is, when, when you get there, obviously you'll assess what's going on and what are some other things that you'll be looking for? Uh, not much, mate. There's not much to it. I just need to... <laughs> find the snake. Hopefully they're keeping an eye on it. Well, this is exciting for those of us who don't do it every day. I, uh, of course, the pansy I am will be staying at a safe distance, but um, what a good chance to put some audio in. How good. Stay tuned. Oh, how about a snake? Yeah, I'm just at, at Lachlan House. Near Lachlan House? Yep, next to, next to the main building. Yep, 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 I'm just near there now. Okay, see ya. That was a struggle. <laughs> just pulled up at the hospital after getting off the phone with a, a particularly enthusiastic gentleman you got your snake catching tool and a snake bandage i suppose the irony is if you were going to get bitten this would be the place to do it eh? yeah, that's true <laughs> save me a bit of travel but um this will be interesting i'm never usually a sound guy i've never done extra audio content apart from the interviews so this what, is better, a... what better place than episode 100 there you go see, see there you go what a good callback. You're a natural at this, mate. Maybe I should take up snake handling and we'll call it Life's a Jake. <laughs> so, yeah. But it's going to be a lost cause. Because quite commonly, as you said earlier, you get a call out and you won't find the snake. Yeah, it does happen. I try to sort of vet that by um, asking them questions about when they last saw the snake and are they keeping an eye on it. But I have, yeah, no idea about this situation because it's having to deal with multiple people at the hospital i'm not a fan of hospitals but i do um actually uh was here a few months ago getting looked at but they do good work here at the orange hospital medical staff here on point have you ever had any real close calls yeah i've had a few close calls yep what's going to happen when you're catching venomous snakes that's just true Pretty routine, i'm no fang of it <laughs> It wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be me if it was no pun. Well, they mustn't be too curious because it's now been about five minutes and there's no one here. Well, just be patient, I suppose. Get it? Get it at the hospital. <laughs> oh, I'll shut up now.
going in now to see this snake. This is exciting. I'm looking for a snake through a glass walkway. So kind of like walking through a glass hallway. Quite a big area could have been in. Yeah, this is the problem. People don't um, don't keep an eye on it. They expect you have some sort of supernatural power to to find snakes. Hmm. Well, at least if you know just where it would have seen it, no doubt. Yeah. Well, there's we're currently in a like a walkway that connects the two main hospitals, and there's quite large courtyard areas. It could be a lot of gardens, a lot of ferns and shrubs. It could be anywhere. Hopefully we can find it. But then again, it's not, not a terribly warm day, so I can see your chances if they at least can show me where they saw it. So if it's a cooler day, chances are they won't move as far? Yeah. Okay. Trying to stay warm as possible. Where would you think it most likely be hiding in a garden or it doesn't really? Yeah, Alright, interesting. Well, we'll see how we go shortly. So how long, if you actually spot the snake, uh, if you actually spot it, what's the, what's the... It's more likely to be outside. Yep. So how do you, do you have to like, trap it up against something or what's the... So it's not a hard thing to do? No. No, righto. It's kind of like a golf club without a, a, a head on it, isn't it? Thing you captured it with? My hand. Or do you just use your hand, do you? Yeah. Because I've seen some blokes that are snake catchers, it's kind of yeah, like a, use a hook. Kind of like a golf club with a hook on the end. Yeah. yeah interesting. I must look like a mad idiot with my phone out talking into it. <laughs> oh, it's alright. So I just asked Jake if you were to take a punt, he reckons it's a copperhead. Righto. Oh well. I'll bet you a schooner it's a red belly. And if I'm wrong, then that's my bad. <laughs> Hopefully we find it. Sorry, that's just there? It was just here. Yes, that's just, just there. Um, so, yeah. I'll give you a hint, excuse me, mate. Copperhead, you were right, I owe you a schooner. Is that a copperhead? Yeah. Looks like a black. Oh, they can be black. It's a copperhead. What's the distinct feature about a copperhead, Jake? Looking in the garden around now for this copy. No cool. The gentleman showed us some footage of it. He took a little video. It's a copy head. So we'll see what we come up with. Just looking around now. Just looking around in the garden. Uh, Jake's inside the ferns on the other side. Looking for a copper head. Just told her there can be quite poisonous, so this will be interesting. Maybe I should have wore long pants. Alright. Walking along the wall. Okay, no worries. So far, there's no evidence here. No evidence, hey. Really? Yep. We don't know if we're left or right or Yeah, or if it's zigged or it's zagged. Mm. Yeah, well, you're walking through pretty dense, sort of prickly looking thorn thingies. Right. And down there on the left, there's, that's as high as your waist. Yeah. You're like trying to look through a cloud or smoke, something. Uh, yeah. I didn't hear any rustling or anything when I walked up before. Calling it? Calling it. Oh, well, we tried. Always keep an eye on the snake people. Yep. It's pro tip is if you come across a snake, Take a photo of it or keep an eye on it always. Actually, do both. We tried. No. I was even in the bushes having a look with my shorts on. Fear of snakes? Gone. 
Well, Jake's called it. But we tried. Now to go and enjoy some nice cold beverages. <laughs> so no luck with the snake. Um, it's good, uh, good sort of content to raise, good uh, awareness to raise is that if you don't follow what the snake does, then chances are it'll be long gone by the time Jake's called out to it. So if let's you're out it, there, let's keep an eye on it. Keep an eye on it. Anyways, unsuccessful, but successful. Signing off. Mitch and Jake. Sounds like a morning show, doesn't it? <laughs> a drive home with Mitch and Jake. Hashtag snake talk. <laughs> Anyways, I'll try this again. Thanks everyone for listening, and I'll catch us on the next one. That's 100. Cheers.